Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your host of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by the curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contributions of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person performance from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their business, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode number 17 of the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Nick Quain, a veteran business owner and co-founder of Selwand, where he helped raise millions in capital, close industry deals with North America's largest wireless carriers, and developed a marketing strategy that brought the brand national. He brings that experience in his current role as VP of Venture Development at Invest Ottawa, leading the program development and support for startup, early early stage, and scaling companies alike. Nick is a well-recognized member of the Ottawa Entrepreneur Ecosystem. Welcome, Nick. So glad you're here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey uh, and what brought you to Invest Ottawa? Yeah, so I was on a pretty lengthy entrepreneurial journey that, um, you know, they're all unique, hair-raising, you know, journeys that are still only going two miles an hour kind of thing. You know, it's like the most exciting two mile an hour journey you can have um, and, and did that over around 15 years. So built, um, you know, a, a tech company and went through a lot of the sort of standard things that that uh, many other founders go through in terms of struggling to pay yourself early, you know, caught up in that early enthusiasm and naivete and, and then getting a little bit of traction, just enough to keep you going, even though there are signs that maybe you shouldn't. And then raising a little bit of money here and there, you know, issues with shareholders, partners, and then somewhere along the way, all of a sudden you built, uh, you started to build a business with, you know, many people, millions of dollars in revenue and, and have capital coming in and, and sort of went through that whole journey I was really back and forth between Ottawa and Toronto at the time. Um, I always lived in Ottawa or, or, or kept a room in Ottawa kind of thing. You know, I'm an <laughs> Ottawa boy. I just couldn't, I didn't want to let go as, as many people pointed out um, and was in Toronto quite a bit, but slowly over the years of running that company um, became a little bit more virtual and was mostly in Ottawa. 
And, uh, and then um, the company kept, uh, you know, the company got to a point where it got quite large, the, um, but the growth opportunities had failed. So we had these new products that we were launching and investing a lot in that, um, that didn't take off. And then we had our older product that first had success that was incredibly profitable. So we basically, we didn't wind the company down. We just ratcheted it down to an operating company that was very profitable for our shareholders. And, and over the last eight or nine years, have been paying our shareholders as it continues to go. Um, but two or three years into that, I found myself, you know, I, I, you know, an entrepreneur with an operating company that isn't growing. I was like, you know, I was, I was getting myself in trouble. I was, you know, going for beers in the middle of the afternoon. And, and <laughs> one of one of my entrepreneurial friends at the time said, listen, you need to go do something else you need to, you know, um, and, and he was on the board at Invest Ottawa, which is, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial hub here in the city. And I'd been part of Invest Ottawa's sort of supported company over many years because I was in the city. Um, so I was familiar with them. And, uh, and then I went in there just to be, um, you know, to be an advisor. And, uh, and then next thing you know, I'm in there and I saw this really cool building with like 30 or 40 founders in there every day. And, and, you know, soft founders I knew helping each other, you know, sitting down, helping each other. And, and uh, next thing you know, they, they're like, do you want to run this place? And, and they caught me at a weak moment. And next thing you know, I had a J-O-B, man. I, I don't know. Three years later? Yeah, three years later. I'm like, you know, like I had, I had a bunch of friends who were like, you would invest all? No, like they had an over under. Uh, and I think I've beaten them all on the over. So um, but anyway, it's been lots of fun. So that's how I, I, I ended up at I.O. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it sounds like it was almost a journey of growth from an entrepreneurial mindset in the sense of what I'm hearing is trying to understand your market to begin with, and then developing using your words, ratcheting it down to something that is specific that could be operationally uh, sustainable. Is that correct in, in understanding? Yeah. And, and I mean, part of it is, um, you know, it's a heart, it, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're building this company to go on a trajectory. You have a vision of turning it into something big and amazing. And, and, and then sometimes you're just like, I hope I survive. Right. And, and get, <laughs> I get paid. you know, you sort of go up and down as a founder, you're, you know, it's pretty manic in terms of the ups and the downs, like every, every founder knows. Um, and so it was, it wasn't easy actually to settle for, it took actually some of my shareholders to say, you know, listen, you're spending all of this profits to try and grow and build something, you know, that that some of that money is yours, right? Like, you you know, you could be, we could all be paying, like, you know, that every time, you know, you burn through $100,000 trying to do this, like a big chunk of that's your money. And it was that moment, I was like, that's true, isn't it? Right. So, but, <laughs> but it was humbling too to wrap, to all of a sudden settle and say, you know, okay, so this, I had got very caught up in, um, like, like all founders do in the new product and vision of what mm. we wanted to do. And it was pushing it forward. It was act, like, let's go, let's do this. We're going to win. Right. Mm. And you're pushing that forward. And then when you realize you're not going to, and that you shut down that, that, you know, we had a, a mobile app called the ride that we shut down. Um, that was humbling, but then it took me a little while to appreciate. We built this other product that was just sticky and, you know, it was reliable and it was loyal customers that just still to this day, it was a, it was a service called Pound Taxi. There's still people, tens of thousands of people dialing that every month. And it took me a little while to sort of settle in and go, wow, I built that. And that's like, you know, that's going to outlive me, maybe like it just it, it just keeps on trucking along. So there was 
there was that part of it. And then the other part of it is what do I want to do next? Okay. And so mm. now, now that I'm all, I'm all grown up and you know, what, what am I going to be? Um, and I had been part of, I had spent a lot of time helping, you know, volunteering and helping other entrepreneurs. And I think mm-hmm. it becomes anyone who's been at it long enough, it, it feels good to help others, mostly because it feels like all of those things you failed at, there was a reason, like you can actually take good out of the mistakes that you made you know, and, and share it with someone. So, um, so I had done some of that and, and informally and in, been part of a professional development group called Tech for, for well over 10 years. Um, so, you know, I was used to that type of uh, feedback loop of, you know, founders helping founders. So, um, so when the idea of Invest Auto came up and getting in there and, and meeting entrepreneurs and, and, and listening to their ideas and helping them and maybe even making a few bucks while they did it. Um, I, I didn't like the idea of being accountable, but to someone else, but um, certainly like the idea of, of chatting with uh, entrepreneurs. So that's what, that's what hooked me. Mm, mm, I can hear that for sure. And Nick, I think I've heard, you know, we've heard a lot of transition points and, you know, some failures that have come up and even roadblocks. And, uh, and I think we'll, we'll get into maybe your position in West Ottawa uh, as we move forward. I'm curious, how did you kind of approach some of those transition periods or those failures um, when they were coming up for you? And how did you kind of like overcome them and then keep keep pushing forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think first off, I think I had an advantage is that I had had um, a bit of sales experience, right? Mm-hmm. So sales experience trains you that in general, the more times you fail, the more you succeed. It's a batting average, right? Like, so you hear the adage of most shots taken on net or, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, right? Um, you, you want to increase your percentage, but in the end, it's a volume game. So, you know, you're, you know, success is the accumulation of a bunch of small little failures and that kind of thing. So I knew that I wasn't afraid to fail. I wasn't afraid to, when, you know, when I set out on the journey, it was like, I'm going to give this a year and this, if nothing else, it'll be an amazing experience that I'm going to learn more in that year, maybe then, you know, and then I'll, and that'll, you know, maybe springboard me into something else uh, beyond what I was doing. So I think that that, um, that, that helped. Um, and then also like you need some, you know, you need positives coming back along the way. Right. So that's what keeps you going. Right. So, you know, it wasn't just an endless string of failures. It was, okay, I pitched these three wireless carriers. They didn't want it, but this one carrier stepped forward and says, wow, I really like this. And that, you know, that, that sort of fills your bucket up and gives you the energy to keep going. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit more with regards to that mindset of, motivating self because what I hear you're describing Nick is that from a sales perspective instead of looking at it as failure you're looking at as numbers and you kind of put that in its place or you did I should say and then moving forward for you you really focused on the positives and the motivators so what is it specifically that motivates you well, I'm pretty goal oriented. So I'll, you know, never had issues, you know, in the beginning of the year, I've always got a sheet of paper somewhere with a list of goals that are professional, personal health, you know, fun stuff like boxes <laughs> I want to tick. So, you know, I'm the kind of person, if I just completed a task that I didn't put on my to-do list, I'll write it on my to-do list and then tick that sucker off. Right. Just because <laughs> of that little bit of dopamine or whatever, just like fires through my veins at that time. So 
I, um, you know, so that, that certainly is part of it, like that, that, that setting the goals and sort of going after it and recalibrating those goals when I need to, but also, you know, being pretty resolute and trying to achieve those and not being, and not giving up too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think those were, you know, that's the, that was the main one. And I think I'm, a, a, you know, I think that I'm realistic, but a pretty positive person too. So the, you know, I think that that, um, and, and that combined with visualization, like visualizing a bit of an end game of what you want to achieve and sort of keep, you know, keeping, and that's a way of sort of boosting yourself sometimes of like, you know, imagining where you're, where you're going to be at the end of that month or that quarter or that year or five years, right. Depending on, on where you want to let your mind drift to. I think that that can be some positive energy that can keep you going during the tougher times. And if we were to dive into that a little bit deeper, is that something that like you incorporate in your routine or is that something that you do on ad hoc basis in terms of kind of like visualizing the end, whether it be the, the end of the week, month or, or five year term? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because I, I, um, when I started the company, I was driving a lot. So I was driving back and forth between Ottawa and Toronto, and that would be a time where a lot of things would happen. So it was actually, um, it was a great learning experience because it left me alone with my thoughts and music, you know, to sort of maybe, you know, take me in a certain direction, depending on what I wanted to play. But um, some of, some of it was reflection, you know, you leave a meeting and you got time to think about it and sort of mm-hmm. actually put an audio recorder in my, in my car at the time. So I'd come up with these ideas and I couldn't write them down. I was on the 401. So I'd be like, you know, give it, you know, <laughs> there'd be a bit of that but then then there were times that just the brain candy where you want to put on some good tunes and just visualize a good thing you know of where you're going to go and uh so there'd be a combination um and and that has um and i think that that's the hardest part now um is that in this day and age you don't get a chance to um you know think um enough you know all of us have got multiple screens going on at the same time and Mm -hmm. we're being you know it feels weird to just be doing one thing at a time sometimes and uh, you don't get those times to have a little bit of clarity in your mind to um to think on healthy thoughts or productive thoughts Mm -hmm. so i'm curious um how do you create that space then for yourself or even for, for your team yeah. So, I mean, everyone's different, right? So you can't, you know, what works for me is going to work for everyone. Like I'm a morning person, routine person. I'm the first up in my household, usually by hours. Um, I, I know that's like, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it's a glorious time. Uh, the house is quiet. Um, I'm, but I'm alone with my thoughts and I'm, I'm aware of like, I'm an, I'm an E, like an extrovert introvert, but I'm a small E, like I need, um, you know, I get energy. I like being around people, but I I need to re-energize solo alone with my thoughts. Mm. Um, And so my morning is a healthy time for me to sort of set my, you know, um, have a bit of a routine, think about things, you know, I actually get up and make coffee and make my kids lunches and do everything that's just relatively mindless stuff that often I, I screw up their lunches because I that's a sign that my head's gone somewhere where I give one kid the wrong thing like why'd you give me I don't eat cheese on my sandwich but that's actually I can literally like I really know when I screw that up it's because I'm actually involved in an interesting conversation in my head about something where I've drifted off too much I've basically you know floated outside of my body in some way and I'm no longer conscious of what what kids getting what um but that routine in the morning before I look at screens or anything um is kind of a healthy time for me to think about the day ahead and probably not long enough but Mm. uh but uh but it's helpful you make it sound so fun 
in the sense of self-reflection or introspection. Yeah, it's not always it's not always a positive experience. <laughs> Maybe there's sometimes I purposely smash one of their apples because I'm like, you know, it's that that gone to a gone to a dark spot. Um, and sometimes you're, you know, sometimes you're working through a, a negative situation that you're trying mm. to. That it's not always, you know, um, but it's not always positive thoughts. But but I think that. Um, whatever negative thoughts I'm working through, they were lingering there in the background anyway. So getting right. a chance to process them is I'm in a better place at the end, whether I realize it or not. hundred percent agree. And so when it comes to learning specifically in stepping into the role of VP at Invest Ottawa, what would you say like one of the biggest or maybe top three learnings that you brought with you that lends itself as a positive to where you're at right now? Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, what happens when you take an entrepreneur and throw them into a not-for-profit, government-funded economic <laughs> development agency? I don't know. Let's see. I mean, it wasn't the first person. Like, it, you know, in terms of supporting entrepreneurship, there were there were others out there who'd done it before. So um, I think that was one of the first things. I met with multiple board members, met, met with someone who'd been in that position previously, mm-hmm. met with a few other people in the ecosystem who'd worked at Invest Ottawa. And it is, you know, it's a different type of any organization that's essentially funded by, you know, it's a combination of three different layers of government and corporate funders. You've got all these different stakeholders. It's a complicated place, right? With, uh, with varying degree of mandates, like the teams all have somewhat different mandates in different ways. There's overlap mm-hmm. and there's synergy and, 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 and certain economies that happen there that are great, but it's also different. You have certain teams worried about foreign direct investment. Some worried about, um, you know, entrepreneurship, some are worried mm-hmm. about different things. So, um, so first off it was, okay, what am I getting myself into before I make this, this leap? I think that doing a little, um, like, and really asking questions like, well, what do you do on a day to day basis? Like what, you know, mm. what does a typical day look like? What are the two or three things you hated about working there? What are the things you liked about working there? If you could go back, you know, asking questions like that, just sort of mm. trying to get into the mind of, um, and then, you know, part of it is, um, the expectations of going in there. I, I, I think I, you know, at the I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and um, I know I like a lot of the parts of the job and the parts that I wasn't sure whether I was going to like, I was okay going into it, realizing that, okay, maybe a year from now I'll look at this or, you know, um, whatever it might be. I mean, I've never done anything for under a couple of years of my life. So I don't think I was really, you know, I think I was committed to at least a year or more, regardless, it would have to be a real disaster or I would have had to be a disaster to, to extricate myself from that job if someone didn't do it first. Um, but I think it was the, you know, this will be a good experience. This is going to, I'm going to, if nothing else, I'm going to get to work with a bunch of founders. I'm going to, I'm going to get my finger back on the pulse of the local ecosystem more than any other position that I could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, and if nothing else, I'm going to be, it's going to give me a bird's eye view of what's happening in Ottawa and maybe inspire me in one direction or another. Um, and I knew it was taking parts of it were taking me out of my comfort zone. I wasn't going to be the CEO. I had been the CEO, uh, you know, previously, but I had a board and didn't get, you know, had shareholders and didn't, you know, I was accountable. So I, I, I knew I could, I could live with that, but uh, didn't know who I'd be working with. And, and, and it's obviously a very different place from building a product and having a single purpose goal to sort of grow it versus a more, um, 
um, you know, a different type of mandate where you're helping, you're helping others with some really indirect measuring sticks of jobs and stuff that aren't maybe directly attributable to the work that you're doing, but that's mm-hmm. generally what economic development looks at, looks mm-hmm. at in terms of success or failure, which feels pretty weird sometimes when you're, yeah. you know, I'm more concerned with the, the 30 or 40 founders that we're supporting and what they think of me than whether we created any jobs or not, but I need to, I need to make sure we're creating jobs or I'm not going to have a job for very long. So, um, so that was reconciling that was, was different. Mm, mm, I can understand that wholeheartedly. And so what about your team? So you spoke a little bit with regards to understanding the job itself. Um, but specifically, how do you create an environment for your team members to thrive in? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, first, you know, as a leader, you first need to sort of know thyself a little bit, right? Like what your sort of leadership style is. Um, and, and I had, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'd been a, a member of, of tech for well, now it's been over 15 years, but for a long time. And a big part of that is that self analysis that you're doing, right? First knowing who you are. And I know I'm not a great manager full stop, right? And that, there's people who work for me who think I'm a pretty good manager, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not a natural manager. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a good leader and mm-hmm. good on strategy. And, you know, I don't think there's anybody that that um, that has worked with me who doesn't think I have their back, but I don't naturally wake up every morning thinking about how to make others around me effective, right? Mm-hmm. I wake up every morning thinking about different things. I want to make you know, I'm thinking about action and strategy and different things and, and not thinking about whether Michelle or Carolyn or Guido or Paula or Tim have what they need that day to be successful and checking in. So, um, you know, so for me, I had um, through that learning process with my company had, had learned that I needed structure in my week um, in terms of the one-to-ones that I did and what I, you know, it, and realizing it's not all on me to manage people. It's not like I'm not the one who has to mm-hmm. tell them what they need. They can, I can just give them structure to make sure they're asking me what they need or running their priorities by me. And, uh, and, and I know I, with people who are naturally um, demanding and unfiltered, I work really well with (laughs) (laughs) and, and people who it's a little bit more difficult to extract what they need um, is a bigger challenge for me because um, you know, I'm not going to abandon them, but if they can't step forward to ask me what they need, you know, if they're giving me a signal of what they might need, well, that signal better be explicit because uh, I'm not naturally, I might hear something, but I might misinterpret it or I might just, you know, I'm probably not as likely to, um, um, dig in there is maybe some other um, people that I've worked with that are just more natural managers. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think the self-awareness and, you know, that was a big thing and, and just starting to build structures around your weaknesses in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No, I, I really, I can really appreciate the, the self-awareness that you've, uh, you've developed over time, Nick, and this idea behind um, identifying your weaknesses and, you know, it, it takes a lot of, um, it's a lot of courage to be like, no, I'm not a good people manager. This is what I'm actually really good at. And then creating the structures or creating the environment um, to be able to help your team knowing that that's maybe an area uh, of improvement. And so you mentioned uh, in the sense that, you know, one of the things or one of the challenges that comes up is if somebody's not being explicit with me as to what they need, um, I might find it challenging and actually being able to help them. So I'm curious, how have you worked with your team or how have you maybe made them aware 
of, of these structures or of these constructs um, to be able to make everybody kind of on the same page? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I think I've said to each one of them, I'm not a good manager. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not telling you that to let myself off the hook that you're screwed and it's your problem now. Um, but, I, you know, I am going to say, let's put this structure. Now you understand why I say, let's do these one-to-ones or I want you to give me your, you know, at each meeting, I want you to let me know what your biggest hurdle is or what are your top three priorities are because I'm not thinking about those enough naturally. But if we put them on the table every week, I'll absolutely be good at helping you with them, like mm. with that, right? And mm. And it's also a way for us to learn about each other because, you know, after going through, you know, three months or six months of, of going, you know, that back and forth, they start to understand what's important to me. They understand when, you know, because often it's as simple as I send an email to someone saying, hey, we have to take care of this, right? Well, what does mm-hmm. that mean? When, how important is it? Is it more important than the other thing you sent me an hour ago? Like, like, you know, and, and so they'll bring it forward and say, well, okay, here's a prior list of things to do. So, um, you know, that one's more important. And, oh, did I, did I say it was important? I mean, it is important, but it's not urgent. So, so no, park that one until January, it's fine. Um, so I think that's part of it. And, and then I've tried to, you know, try different things. I, I you know, we'll do, um, I did, you know, all my managers um, this year, start, stop, continue for me. So, so it's like, Hey, next week, I want you to come to the meeting and tell me what you want me to start doing that I'm not doing. Tell me something to stop doing that I am doing. And then, and then, you know, throw me a bone and tell me something I'm doing well, that you want me to keep doing. Right? <laughs> we'll finish with that one. So I'm not giving you the hairy eyeball when you walk out of the office. So, um, and that's helpful. And, you know, so, so I think there's things like that, that you can do that, um, that give them, you know, and that's what I need to do. I need to give them, force them in some ways. Some of them mm. I don't, some I don't have to do that with, but we go through it anyway um, because they're quick to give me feedback at any given juncture. Um, but it was really interesting and it reinforced to me how important that stuff was because the feedback I was getting back from my managers was inconsistent in terms of, there's no consistent way they all wanted to be treated. Right. Some were like, leave me like some wanted me to lean in much more than what I was on average. Others were like, back off. Like I, like you're, you're, you know, you're in my kitchen. Like, you know, when, when these happens, I don't need you to, you're CC'd on that email. I don't need you to jump in. Like I got this right. Mm. Um, I'm, I might like, give me 24 hours, right. To, to reply before you. And that's cool. Right. So sometimes it's 22 hours in and I'm like, isn't replied. And I would have replied. So I reply and they're like, what? Like that's, I, you know, and that's fine. Right. So that's part of the communicate. That's just part of the mm-hmm. communication. Right. And cause mm-hmm. I can't, mem- I'm not memorized what everyone's little clock is and and so, no. um, so that was actually made me feel even better too about it was, um, because, you know, I still, at that point, one of the reasons I was doing it is I knew I, they weren't all, you know, it wasn't all perfect and, and, it, and it never is with your direct reports. Um, and that sort of made me feel better. That's just a reminder. They're all different people and it takes, a, it takes work to figure out how to work with each individual. Mm, I think that's really important, Nick, that you have the self-awareness and to kind of echo Scott point, Scott's point earlier, excuse me, in identifying your strengths and your weaknesses and then creating uh, strong consistencies for your weaknesses so that you can focus on the strengths. And then secondary to that, really understanding that it's not just about the job, but rather your people behind the jobs. 
um, and setting them up for success the best way that you can. And then also being very transparent about that as well. Uh, All strong points. So finally, for us, Nick, we ask all of our participants, uh, what are three words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear? Three words. Okay, so um, I would say uh, first one is focus. Um, you know, I think now hard, it's harder than ever to do one thing at a time, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, turning off, you know, turning off email, putting your phone down at meetings, or even just one task at finishing a task, right? And doing it well and devoting yourself to it um, is almost becoming a lost art because we're all got mm-hmm. so many things on the go that it's hard to. Um, it, it's harder than ever to focus. So it takes more discipline than ever or structure or whatever it is that you need. Um, putting a sticky note on your lamp in front of you, whatever, um, <laughs> blocking time for focus time, like whatever it is. I, so I think focus is one that would, would serve everyone well to some degree in their life. Um, uh, the second one would be fun. Like have fun in what you do. Ask yourself at the end of every month, are you having fun? And it's okay if you're not, because sometimes your job's not fun or whatever you're doing isn't fun. But are you in the process? Are you getting through something that's going to end and there's fun on the other side? And if there's not, what actions are you taking to get fun back in your life? Because, mm. and I say fun, that's one word I use fun, um, but but it can be inspiration, motivation, you know, a lot of words that sort of fall into the same bucket, um, you know, and certainly when it comes to your career, right? If you're not, you know, it, it's easy, it's especially easy at, at, in this day and age, you know, eight months into, you know, video lockdown and, and uh, under house arrest, uh, <laughs> it's easy to, easy to um, you know, not be having fun. But, but I, so I think that's an important word to, you know, I have it on, on sort of my, my list of things, my having fun and everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if I'm not, then, I'm, you know, either make it fun or, or work on a path to get out of it. Um, and then similar, I would say freedom. Right. Everyone, a lot of people think of, of if I get here, I'll be free to do this. Right. Or if I do this, like freedom is a declaration. Like mm. de- you can declare freedom to, I mean, unless you're in jail, right. Or whatever, <laughs> like really not free or, or house arrests. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, and maybe now when we can't, you know, um, you know, masks and that kind of thing, we're not, we're not feeling as free as we normally are, but for the most part, we are free. Um, you're not like wherever you feel like you're stuck, you're not having fun. You're not motivated what you're doing. Like, you know, you're, you're free to make the change, you know, and any minute of any day is the first step in the direction that takes you out of whatever rut or, or wherever you might be stuck in. If you're not happy with where you are in your life and in terms of career or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think that we forget sometimes that we're not stuck that we do Mm. have that. We do have that, um, personal freedom to take a step in a different direction. Mm Hmm. Focus, fun, and freedom. Thank you so much, uh, Nick, for joining us today and sharing all of your insights. Thank you for having me. Uh, Not a problem. And uh, yeah, so we really appreciate you sharing your insights with uh, Intuitive Performance and our subscribers, both from uh, the Ottawa Invest perspective and an entrepreneurial flair to it as well. And so for those who would like to learn Uh, more about uh, Ottawa Invest. We're going to provide a link to your company uh, on the profile of the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care. 
Thank you very much for all of our subscribers to tuning in into another great episode of the Elevate Business uh, podcast. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuityperformance.com, where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.